Your journey to more is a journey of deeper commitment to God and less commitment to yourself. This message is the first in the series, I Will Not Settle. The message is entitled, You Were Made for More. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we turn our attention this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 1 here in just a moment. I'm going to start a new series of messages entitled, I Will Not Settle. And the I Will Not Settle series is a part of a bigger series that we're going to be involved in for the next seven or eight months together. And this will be sort of five different series in the whole package called Made for More. And as many of you know, this year, the 19, uh, 1986 was the beginning date of our church. So 2016 is the 30th anniversary of Church of the Redeemer. And I've been doing a lot of thinking. We, did, we spent a month of June celebrating what God had done in our church family over the 30 years. And as I've been reflecting, I've also been looking not just backward, but looking forward. Because one of the things that I've learned about God is that God is a forward-looking God. God takes you from glory to glory. Amen? He's always working you towards your future, taking you where you are right now and moving you to that which he's doing in your life in the days to come. And so while your past is important in the sense of lessons that you learn, you should never live in your past. Your past is never meant to be lived in. It's to learn from, but not to live in. God is a forward-moving God. And part of what we want to do in this next season together as a church family is to find out how we can move forward in our lives. How can we Make the most of all that God has called us to be and move forward in our journey with Him and not settle uh, for anything less than God's best in our life. So I really want to encourage you to be a part of this particular series and the ongoing series through the next seven or eight months together as we talk about being made for more. I'm going to start, actually, as, the, as we begin this series together in the I Will Not Settle portion of the larger series, I want to talk to you about the, the whole idea of of taking that next step. What is the next step in your life? What, it, what does it mean to take that step that moves you beyond where you are now, closer to what God wants you to be? And our beginning point will be in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and I'll read this passage for you, starting in verse number 1. I'll read down through verse number 8, and then I'll give you just a little bit of a history lesson before we get into the points that I want to share with you today. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Here's the basic setting. Moses is at the latter end of his life. He's giving the children of Israel instructions related to what they are to do when he dies. And they're now to enter into the promised land. Joshua will lead them in. And so the book of Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy means second law or the second giving of the law. So it's a second rehearsal of the children of, uh, to the children of Israel of the law of God after they've spent 40 years in the wilderness. So here are these, these words of Moses. These are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. They were camped in the Jordan Valley near Suf, between Paran on one side and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab on the other. Normally, it only takes 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. This took place after he had defeated King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon, and Edrai had defeated King of Og of Bashan, who ruled in Ashtaroth. While the Israelites were in the land of Moab, east of the Jordan River, Moses carefully explained the Lord's instructions as follows. 
When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev, and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Look, I am giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it. For it is the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to all their descendants." Now, to understand this passage, I need to provide for you just a little bit of a background, a little bit of a perspective of what uh, the, the setting really is here. So let me see if I can describe this for you, right? You might recall that there was a time that the children of Israel were living in Egypt. Egypt, they were slaves in Egypt for 430 years until God raised up a man by the name of Moses, and Moses came in, spoke to Pharaoh, and said, let my people go. Pharaoh resisted for a period of time, but ultimately, after the 10th plague where the firstborns were killed, uh, there was this moment that Pharaoh finally said, you can leave. And then what happened was the children of Israel miraculously went across the Red Sea, okay? And God opened up the Red Sea for them, and they crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptian army came behind them. God closed in the waters on the Egyptians, and they drowned there. And so now they once were slaves, but now they are free, okay? They've been freed by the hand of God, Moses being their God-used deliverer, okay? Or God-used Savior, that's with a little s, okay? When they came across the Red Sea, they immediately go into a wilderness and find their way down to a place called Mount Sinai, okay? Mount Sinai was the place where something very important happened. Anyone remember what happened at Mount Sinai? The giving of this amazing thing called the Ten Commandments. And so God gave them ten laws to live by and said, here's what you're going to do. This is how I want you to, to live your lives. This is the structure morally for your nation. It is the structure culturally for your nation. It's Here's the ceremonial law, the worship laws, the, 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 the civil laws you live by, and the moral laws of God were explained to them there at Mount Sinai. But God's plan was never to leave them at Mount Sinai. God's plan was to take them into a place up here called Canaan, or you might know it with another phrase, the promised land. Amen? Got it? Everybody with me so far? Okay, this is Bible History 101, just so you knew, all right? So that was God's plan, to get them into Mount Sinai. They were going to, and, and so he's going to give them the law, and they're going to move from Mount Sinai to a place called Kadesh Barnea, and from Kadesh Barnea, they're going to make their way around. There's a Dead Sea, and by the way, this is not an accurate map for some of you that are trying to go back to the back of your Bible and say, well, is he really right? I know it's not the accurate map. It's just the best I can do with my very limited artistic capacities, all right? So I'm giving you what I can give you. There's a river that runs down to the Dead Sea from the north of Israel, uh, and that river is called the Jordan River, okay? And so... 
they're going to go from Kadesh Barnea. They're going to eventually go around on this side, enter into a place called Jericho, and take the land. But that's going to happen later. You've got to get this first setting. And so here they are at Mount Sinai. God gives them the law. They go up then from Mount Sinai to a place called Kadesh Barnea, where on that first uh, opportunity, God sends in 12 spies, or Moses sends in 12 spies into the land to check it out. The 12 spies come back. Ten of them say, well, it's beautiful land, but it's really impossible for us to do this. There are too many giants there. And so what happened was they missed their first opportunity to enter the promised land. And what happened is they spent 40 years going around in circles. Think about that, in the wilderness. Just hanging out in the wilderness for 40 years. And you remember how God took care of them in the wilderness by providing manna for them. And, and just all, he, he got them through it. But this was a, a, four decades of living in the wilderness. I started to bring to you a picture this morning of what that wilderness looked like. Uh, it's, it's, it's not the place you want to go, okay? It is not a resort, okay? Just understand this is a, this is a tough place to live for 40 years. 40 years they're there. After 40 years, and the reason they are there is because God says, I'm going to let all of that old generation that were a part of these spies, when I'm going to, you're going to all die out, and I'll let the new generation go in, okay? So 40 years later, they died out, and now we come to Deuteronomy chapter 1. And in Deuteronomy chapter 1, what is happening is this. They're getting a second opportunity for what they missed in the past. Isn't that good to know that God brings you back around sometimes and gives you a second chance to fix something you've messed up, right? Now, the sad part, you probably wasted 40 years in the, time, in, in, in the meantime, but he brings you back around and says, you know what, you missed it 40 years ago, but here's a new opportunity for you. And I want to say to all of us today as we begin this, it's not in my notes, but I do want to say it to you because I do believe it's God's word to you. I believe that for some of you in this particular season of your life, as you look back on some things that you regret, on some mistakes that you've made, on some things that kept you from the promised land that God had for you, that God's bringing you back around and he's giving you a fresh opportunity. Anybody glad about that? Amen. Isn't that good to know? It's a new opportunity. So God brings them back around and says, you know what? This should have taken you 11 days. You should have been able to enter into your promised land in 11 days. But instead of it taking 11 days, it's taken 40 years. Does that sound like anybody you know? Okay. Something that should have been really short, but now it's taken for a long, a long, long time to even get back to this point where you can start again. But the good news is you can start Again, this is the second opportunity, the second giving of the law. And so Moses says, don't miss it. You missed it the first time. Don't miss it the second time. And for all of us here today, as we're thinking about us moving forward, we must realize that just like God had made the Israelites for more than slavery and for more than spending their time in the wilderness, God made them for the promised land. God made you for more also. And your more is a promised land that we'll look at here in just a moment that he, he, he desires for all of us to enter into. And, the, and entering into this promised land is not just something God does for you. It's something that you do together with God. You have to make some choices along the way. 
And the first major choice you have to make is the choice to say, I will not settle. Say that one with me again. I will not settle. And this is going to become more and more clear as we go through this particular series together. To say, you know what? I'm just not going to settle for less than God's best in my life. God made me for more. I will not settle for less. Say it with me again. God made me for more. I will not settle for less. And sadly, there are a lot of people that go through their entire life settling for less rather than going for more. As a part of this whole idea of not settling for less and going for more, I'm going to talk to you about three things today that will help you get started in this process. Three points of information that you need. Three, if you will, revelations that must be clear in your heart and mind today as we start this journey together. Number one, you must understand that God wants you to go beyond the status quo in your life. That God designed you not to live in the status quo, but to go beyond it. Every person here... All of our campuses, you were created by God for a purpose. God has a reason for your being, and the purpose of God in your life is more than a status quo life. And the phrase status quo, most of us, most of you are familiar with it. It's a phrase that simply means this. It means something that exists, that never changes. It just stays the same all the time. You live your life in neutral. You're going nowhere. Only the bad thing about living your life in neutral when it comes to spiritual things is that you really can't stay in neutral. When you try to stay in neutral, you always slip back. You never really make any forward progress. And so that's where a lot of people live. They live what we would call the status quo life. They get settled into a comfortable kind of lifestyle that they want, and they never challenge themselves to go any further in God. They're just comfortable. They're status quo. Nothing ever changes. They get up in the morning, do the same things every day, go through their day, go to bed at night, do their routines, even spiritual routines, but nothing ever really changes in the way they live their life. God did not make you for a status quo life. Let me illustrate status quo with a photograph. If you'll put the photograph on the screen, I'll I'll explain it, uh, this very important picture. Can you guys pop it up there for me? Dun, 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 dun. There we go. All right, now we got the photograph. This is a photograph of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre is a church where it's built around the site, the traditional site where Jesus was crucified and buried, where the tomb of Jesus uh, exists where he supposedly, Golgotha is there, Calvary, where he rose from the dead. So there's a church built around it. This Church of the Holy Sepulchre is controlled by six different uh, denominations, six different uh, groups of uh, Christians, okay? Sadly, the, the, the problem with this is that n- none of them can really get along with each other. And so the church is kind of divided into different parts, and all these different groups have their own little part, and God forbid that you step over in their part, okay? So it's like a really divided environment. So you would think something that would represent the death and resurrection of Jesus would have great unity, but sadly, it's a very divided environment. It was so divided, actually, that uh, many, many years ago, it was the, the stress 
in that context was so strong that uh, one of the sultans of the Ottoman Empire had to give a decree because they were fighting with one another so severely among themselves in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre that the decree was given that everything stays just like it is. Whatever it is right now, that's what it's going to be. Stop fighting with each other. This is the decree of the status quo. That's exactly what it was called, the decree of the status quo. On that particular day, no one knows exactly when it was, but some say it was in the 1700s, some say in the mid-1800s, we don't know for sure, but exactly when this, when this event transpired in, in, its, in the way that it's worked its way out now. But that day, when the edict of the status quo was established, there was a mason working on the Church of the Holy Sepulchre on that ladder. And because of the decree of the status quo, you can go with me to Jerusalem today and I can take you to the street where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre exists and we can stand and look at a ladder that's been there since 1850 because no one has the right or power to change it. Think about that for a moment. It's not there for any reason, any purpose, other than the fact of the status quo. When I saw that picture recently and thought about the background of that picture, I thought about how that is with many of our lives. We get things set into our life in certain ways, and it's in our thinking, in the process of how we live, and it just gets set there as the status quo, and we can live to be 300, and it never changes, okay? God doesn't want you to live that way. God wants to move your ladder. Are you with me here? Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell them God wants to move your ladder, okay? It's time for your ladder to move, amen? Okay. It's time for that status quo to get shaken up some because God has made you for more. Don't settle for less. And the more that God made you for is the more of your own personal promised land. God has a promised land for you. Now, the promised land of God in your life is not physical, okay? It's not a physical thing. There are four things when you study Scripture that the promised land of God for you and me represents. Number one, it represents your inner being, who you are on the inside, okay? You can have all kind of things on the outside, but if you're not happy on the inside, you're not happy, amen? And so promised land is not about acquiring physical things and getting really wealthy and having all kind of amazing things in your life. No, if you don't have peace in here, you'll never have peace out there. And so the promised land of God starts on the inside of you. And the greatest changes that will ever happen in you happen inside, in your heart, in your spirit. That's why we are called to be, and God issues to us an urgency to be born again. That's what it means to be changed by Jesus on the inside. When you and I put our faith in Christ and say, Jesus, we believe you're the Son of God. We believe you died on the cross for our sins, for my sins individually. You gave your life so that I could be free, and I believe that you not only died, but you rose again from the grave, and I'm inviting you to come into my life. Something happens internally. It's called being born again. You can't enter the promised land of God unless you are born again. Look at John, if you will, with me. 
John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't get anything in your life of benefit, Nicodemus, that really makes the difference about God's kingdom, his promised land for you, unless you're born again. And notice this, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you, what's the next word there? It didn't say you'd be a nice thing. It said you must be born again. That's where it begins. Have you been born again? You'll never enter the promised land that God designed for you unless you're first born again by the Spirit of God, that you put your faith in Christ and you've been changed on the inside. Listen to John chapter 1, verse 42. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, this is the first time that Simon has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John. But you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Don't run past that little statement. Jesus looked at this guy that, that Andrew, his brother Andrew brought him. This is Simon. We know him now as Simon Peter. But this is the first encounter that Simon has with Jesus. Jesus looks at him and says, I know who you are. You're Simon. But you're going to be called Peter. Now, you must understand what Jesus was saying there. Peter means you're going to become a rock. Your life is going to be so radically changed by relationship with me that we're going to need to change your name. People won't even recognize you any longer as the person you used to be because now you're going to even need a new name because you're going to come out of the weakness of your character into a character like a rock. You're going to be solid. There'll be a transformation on the inside. So the promised land is about your inner being. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So your promised land starts with your, where? Your inner being. You have to be changed in here. Second of all, it starts with your thinking. Living in a promised land is not out there. Again, it's in here in the way you think. See, when your thinking is right, your life will be right. When your perspectives are right, your life will be right. When you're, when you're thinking is right, your feelings will come along as they need to be. And so God begins, he, you're born again by the Holy Spirit, and then the God begins to work in you to change the way you think. Because if you don't change the way you think, you'll stay stuck in the wilderness. Are you listening? Do you know what kept the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years? Were they free? They were free, but were they really free? No. They were free physically, but they weren't free where? In their thinking. They were still slaves in their mentality. 
They were still, they were still carrying that mentality in them. And so when they got down to Kade, over to Kadesh Barnea and checked out the promised land, they couldn't believe that they could go in because they were still carrying a mentality about them that kept them from believing that it was possible for them. And I want you to see that what God does in your life is not only saves you by Jesus coming in and giving you a new spirit on the inside, you're born again, but then he begins to work on the way you think. Because every one of us here, we have quite a bit of stinking thinking going on. We have a mindset often that is contrary to the mindset of God. God said, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. As, as high as the heavens are above the earth, my ways, my thoughts are higher than yours. And so God wants to come along and shake up. He wants to remove some ladders in the way you think. Notice Romans 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what is your promised land? It's an inner being change. It's the change in the way you think. It's the change in the way you live in a daily way. Your promised land is a new way of living. And it works this way. Inside thinking, living. Inside your being is changed by Christ born again. You begin to change the way you think by the word of God and then you begin to live differently. Galatians 2 verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That each day of your life, you begin to live with Christ being in the center. Christ being your leader every day. Romans 8, 31 through 39 describes the way God wants you to live every day. Listen to this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No, no, no one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or a famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That's a lot of bad stuff, isn't it? Okay. Can any of that stuff separate you from the love of God? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, this is the way God wants you to begin to live. This is promised land living right here. Amen? Are you with me? For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, this is the way you live when you're living in the promised land. And this is the kind of life that God wants to bring you into. Changing you on the inside, changing the way you think changing the way you live, and then changing what you do, the doing of your life, so that you become useful to God in an entirely greater way than you ever have been before. Jesus described it this way in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A 
town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, here's a promised land living for you. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So I want you to see today that God made you for more. Don't settle for less. To get to your more, you must understand that I have to break up this status quo living. I've got to get my ladder moved. I, I've, got to, I've got to have a change on the inside. For some of you, you've never been born again. And so Jesus wants you to be born again. He will come into your life if you will invite him in. That's where it all starts. And if you've never invited Jesus into your heart and life to be born again, you need to do that today. And after you've invited Jesus into your life and you've been born again because the Spirit of God is in you, then you begin to work on your thinking as all of us need to do. We think the right way. We work on our living. How do we live each day? Are we learning to live as victorious Christians in Jesus Christ? And then we begin to work on our doing. Are we shining our light before men so that men can see the, the, the good works that we do and glorify the Father in heaven? That's the plan that God has for every person's life here in this place. Don't settle for the status quo. The second point today. Second major point. Number two, getting to, to more, to the more that God has for you won't happen without some key life choices and some key life changes. When the Israelites were first camped east of the Jordan River looking over into the promised land, God gave them some very clear instructions back in verse number 7 of Deuteronomy chapter 1. I just want to read a portion of that to you. There they are, the first time they're getting ready to go in. So they're here getting ready to go in. And God says to them, break camp and advance into the hill country. I want to give you a, a simple phrase there to repeat after me. Break camp and advance. Say it with me. In other words, you're, 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 you, everything that I have for you is in front of you, but you've camped out where you are and you can't move forward until you. You've been camping here long enough. It's nice to camp, but you don't want to live there. Camping is not meant for permanent residence, okay? Camping is always meant for a temporary experience in life. And so they had camped out, and they ended up camping out for 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years of camping, okay? That's a long time. How many of you know that's way too much camping? Amen, okay? That's just way too much camping. 40 years of camping, and God says, you need to break camp. What does that mean for you and me? I've listed some things on the notes. You can read it later. But breaking camp means that you've got to begin to do some things in your life that shuts off some old things in your life. You got to do some things. You got to start taking some action. You got to break up with some things. Amen. Because you can't embrace the new by holding on to the old, okay? You can't hold on to old and embrace new at the same time. It's impossible to hold those two things. And for some of you, it's old ways of thinking. For some of you, it's old 
habit patterns you have in your life. Maybe for some of you, there's some old patterns of addiction or old patterns of just how you've lived your life in the past. And you know Jesus, yes, but you've never really dealt with these things. You've never really come face to face with them. Maybe it's old stuff in your personality that you need to work on. Or maybe it's just old hurts and pains that you've been carrying with you for a long time in your life that are still troubling you and still mess you up. I don't know what your stuff is, but everybody has stuff, okay? Everybody's stuff in their life, and it's time to break up with it, okay? It's time to write them a de- write all that stuff, a Dear John letter, and say, we're breaking up. We're breaking up, okay? And somebody says, well, you know the old song, breaking up is hard to do. Yeah, it is. But you can't move forward unless you break up. God says, before you do anything, you've got to be willing to pull up those tent pegs, pack up your tent, and deal with where you are. You can't camp here any longer if you want to get to the promised land. Amen? Not going to work, okay? Let's go to the next and final point. Last thing I want to talk to you about today is this. Getting to more is a journey that requires commitment and promises great rewards. Promise, it requires commitment and promises great rewards. Let me see if I can use another color here so you'll see it. In verse 7 of Deuteronomy chapter 1, as God's trying to get them to, to move on into their promised land, the first thing he told them was to break camp, and then he told them to advance. Okay? You guys see that word okay? Advance, okay? So break camp and advance. Let me talk to you just for a moment about that word advance, and then we're going to wrap up. The Hebrew word that's used there for advance, we normally think of advance as taking steps and moving forward, and it certainly means that, it's talking about that. But it's a word that means more than that. It was a word that was used to describe a couple of different things. It was used to describe all throughout Scripture people who were stirred up by God on the inside. When you read passages where you know uh, uh, Gideon was stirred by God or Samson was stirred by God, these are, that's the same word that he, he got up and did something positive, got up and did something because God was stirring. So advancing is related to the stirring of God in your life. And also, interestingly enough, it's, it's, it's associated with death, okay? It's dying to something old so that you're actually advancing into something new, right? I mean, you know that death really is, a, is, is an advancement, right? If you're a believer, right? You're advancing into eternal life, okay? And so that word has a lot of meaning. And so when God says, I want you to advance, you've got to break camp as got to break up with some stuff in your life that you've been holding on to for a long time, that ladder that's been in place, it's time to begin to move that thing, you've got to break up with some stuff, and I want you to advance, I want you to know that I am stirring you right now, I am giving you a second opportunity, you missed it 40 years ago, don't you dare miss it now, I am stirring you by my word and stirring you by my spirit, now die to that old stuff so you can step in to the life I have for you. Advance. Advance. Jesus made it clear in Luke when he describes really this very same process. In Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 25. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. 
But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self or their soul? Here's the challenge for you today. And we're going to see the reward in just a moment. But it starts with a commitment. If you want more, it's not going to happen unless you make a commitment. God has already committed to you, but you have to commit to him. And a commitment says, I, I'm not going to live in this little comfortable world that I've created for myself. And everything's all wonderful for me. I'm, or maybe life is challenging at times, but at least I've, I've kind of created my own little niche. I'm not going to live in this comfortable world. Anymore. I'm going to let God stir me. And I'm going to respond to his stirring by saying, God, I'm committing to move forward with you. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even understand it all. But I'm committing to give you my entire life. Whatever you want for me, whatever you want to do in me, my answer to you before I even know is yes. You tracking with me here? That before I... See, they didn't know exactly what, was, what the promised land was going to look like and how they were going to do it and how things were going to happen. But God was saying, break camp in advance. Go ahead and say yes before you even know what yes looks like, okay? Amen? Because if you wait, I promise you, if you wait, you'll stay camped there forever, okay? Because the devil will come along and sell you every fear in the world to keep you from saying yes to God. The devil likes to say to you, you know what? Oh, you're not sure what that's going to look like. Or, you know, you never can trust what God's going to do in your life. And the devil will try to convince you to hold you. The devil wants to hold you in status quo. Because as long as he can hold you in status quo, you're no threat to him at all. But if you'll say, you know what, I, I may not know everything that the future holds, but before I understand this, God, I'm going to say a wholehearted, absolute, stirred by God, yes to you. I may not know what it all looks like, but my answer before I even see it is yes. Yes, God. And here's what I will promise you, based on the authority of God's word, if you will say yes to God, even before you realize what yes means, you will never regret it. Let's conclude with Ephesians chapter 3. This is where your yes will take you. Now glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Isn't that beautiful? The Bible says that when you say yes to God, even when you don't know where your yes is taking you, God says, I got it covered for you. And I promise you this, that you're going to experience exceeding abundantly above anything you can ask or imagine because your yes to God is already always rewarded by God. I promise you that. On the left-hand side of the aisle, reach down. There's a purple bag there. I want each of you to reach into that bag and grab a card that looks like this. On the front, it says, I, I am made for more. So just grab that card out and pass it down the aisle, if you will, and everybody get one.
If you flip it around to the back side, I want to take you through this very quickly as we're concluding here today. And this is at all of our campuses, so every campus should have uh, the bags available for you there. So all across our campuses, let's all get these in our hand. And once it gets to the, to the right-hand side of the aisle, you can simply sit that purple bag down on the floor there. It would be fantastic. But uh, I want you to look with me at the back side. The beginning point to a more life begins with making a choice. And the choice is, I will not settle. Now, here's your statement. God did not create me to live a status quo life. Amen? Did he make you for that? Today, I'm making a commitment to move forward in my spiritual growth and to attend each weekend possible in the Made for More journey. I want you to take a step this weekend. That's what this card is. It's all about. It's just a physical way that you can say, I'm going to take a step. And the step is simply this, to say, God, I want, I'm saying yes to you. I want to move forward in my spiritual journey. And whatever you'll help me to know to do, I'm willing to do. And as a part of this, I'm going to be a part of this series so I can learn and grow and take the steps that you want me to take. And if you're willing to do that today, I want you to sign your name right here. Put that little check there. If you don't want to give us your name, we're not, going to, we're not taking up your names and, and checking up on you. And if you don't follow through, we're not going to steal your bank account or anything like that, okay? So don't, don't worry about that. If, you're not, if you don't want to put your name down, just put me, okay? It's fine, okay? If you don't even want to, just put your neighbor's name down or something. Just do something, okay? But put somebody's name down there, right? Just say, I'm committing. I'm making a decision in my life. And then tear, tear that little part off at the end. And on the right-hand side of the aisles is a brown bag. If you'll reach down to that brown bag, and you're going to tear that off. And as you do, I want you to say, God, this is my commitment to you. I don't want status quo. I want to move forward. I know you made me for more. I will not settle. Amen? So pass that down. Once it gets down to the opposite side of the aisle, you can sit those down as well. And all across our campuses, let's join together. As you're passing those bags down, let's join together in prayer. Father, we're so very grateful today for the challenge you've given us in this new season of our lives, in this new season of our church life for every person that's here. I pray, Lord, across all of our campuses right now that as we've heard your word this morning, that you will seal this word in our heart. And Lord, thank you that you did not make us for the status quo. You made us for more. And I pray that beginning today that you would put something deep in each one of our hearts that says, I will not settle for less when God made me for more. Do this by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. 
Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.